Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Father Knows Something. As you can see, it is the Four Musketeers this evening. Uh, what if they're listening? I'm sorry? What if they're listening? They're listening. And Holly is uh, with us. And uh, since we did do the show and Gabrielle was so wonderful to sponsor socks, I am wearing the Holly socks tonight. And as you can see, we'll show you. If you look here and look there, we got Holly. <laughs> and uh, you with the Viking thing, what are you wearing tonight? Uh, they look really uh, happy and nice. I guess happier than... And then they say, go to hell. <laughs> I think that's what Holly just told us. Go to hell. Yeah, Holly, Holly is out. She wants to be comfy and not squished on a couch. She just wanted her moment. And then it's just like, yeah. Yeah, she I'm might a, be I'm back. Down. We don't know. And she Morgan, you got, you got socks? I have no socks on this evening. What happened? <laughs> um... I don't know where my pony ones are. I want to thank the guys at Fanatic, especially Gabrielle, who showed up at Morgan's show, who is an avid Two Hot Takes listener and now Father Knows Something. And um, great products. And I think we even have a promo code if you want to put it up later. We do. I'll put it in the show description for everyone. Fantastic. Okay. So let's kick it off. Let's go. Okay, so the theme we have for you is probably going to be broken up into two parts. I read half, Justin reads half, but it's called Pros and Cons. So these were stories that we felt didn't really have a straightforward answer, but might have us kind of working through some of them and, you know, like a pros and cons list might, okay. might be helpful. Let's, let's, let's give it a shot. So okay. How we okay. Let's go. Morgan's up to bat. She's holding the computer and she gave me the look. Yeah. I had a great time with you this week, by the way. Yeah, we had some fun adventures. Uh, Morgan decided to buy a sofa and a chair and we've been out hunting fabrics for this as she's going to try to find a new domain to live in. But she's preparing herself. So she's... uh, (laughs) Don't have a new house, but... uh, I've had a passion for certain furnitures since my parents bought their first piece in 1958. It was mid-century. Morgan's been going wild hunting left and right for it. She's Craigslist and me are like this. And she's finding it. She's finding bargains and she's bringing this stuff home. And obviously we're not in the living room because our living room is now a warehouse for furniture. It's a new storage unit. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad, but it's okay. But it's we did okay. get to go to the fabric store and have a great time looking at fabrics that was reminiscent of this, of the guy that made this stuff, his theme and it was a lot of fun, and I had a great bonding moment with you, and I'm yeah. so glad we got to do it. Okay, well, let's jump into this. Okay. So up first, we have 
Hi, Jerry. Love your podcast. And of course, I love Two Hot Takes and the whole crew. I'd love your advice on an issue I will be facing in the future. My husband is in the military and has six more years left until he retires. Because of this, we move frequently and are starting to think about where we want to live when he retires. The issue is that I am torn between living in our ideal place, which is our home state of California, if my husband can find work there and we can afford it, or moving to Colorado, where my parents and siblings all relocated to after I got married and moved away from home. We have lived in Colorado where my family is living. They actually relocated to help me when we had our first baby and my husband deployed shortly after, and they ended up staying in Colorado because they liked it and the cost of living in California was getting too high for them. Out of the five states we have lived in, Colorado is our least favorite, mostly due to the cold. Our dream state is California, but our backup states are in the Southwest due to it having a similar climate and culture. Being away from family is difficult. I feel like we are missing out on time with them, and as parents of three children, we never get breaks and don't really have support. I feel like they are also missing out on time with their grandparents, uncles, and cousins. My younger brother has a family, and my parents are especially close to them. Sometimes his wife makes me feel as though it's a competition and gets envious towards me and my family when my parents do visit us or we visit them, so I do worry that moving close to them would exacerbate this. When the time comes, should we try to live in our dream state or live in a state that we don't love but will be close to family? Well, I'm going to start by saying um, home is always where your heart is. And with that, I'm going to I'm going to go back into the reality of these different locations. I too am faced with a lot of this. Um, I've moved around a little bit in my life. Morgan has lived basically in Minnesota most of her life, and she's been here, you know, about five years now. And I know that as I was young and I was, you know, moving around the country with regarding my job moved me everywhere. Um, I ended up in Minnesota of all places for 25 years, and that is cold. It once it once the cold starts in the end of October, it doesn't go away until you know June or certainly you know last weeks of May. So I know that coming to California is extremely expensive because of just property, and everybody else wants to be here. And all the other things that are associated with it, traffic, um, conge- it, it's just not what it was when I was a kid. So I too have been looking at Colorado and other places to move and, you know, try to think, you know, what would be the place. And my siblings live here and my other kids live in Minnesota. But Denver, when I, looked, when I even thought about Colorado, I went to, I had a client in Evergreen. And just outside of Denver. And it was so tranquil and and kind of mountainous in that area. And it kind of reminded me of the old gold mining towns. And to me, I said, for retirement, this would be kind of great. It's cool. Mm -hmm. And if I need to get to a city, I can certainly get into uh, Denver. And if you got to go to LA, it's $150 to $250 for a flight. You're back in LA. If it snows in January on the 3rd and the 4th, by the 6th or the 7th, the, the ground is back and the sun is up and it's 70 degrees. If you want to go skiing, it's two and a half hours, three hours, just to your west. You're in the best skiing in the world. You know, Denver and, and the surrounding communities have a lot to offer. 
And the lifestyle, if you're out of Denver, seems to be really nice. Um, I guess Denver is, is cosmopolitan as LA and it's crowded and it's back in the traffic. And if you're in a city, you're back in that environment. But the best thing that you said is you have a support system and you have parents and family that are going to want to share in your kids. Um, real quickly, I have nieces and nephews that live out of state and I get to see them three times a year. And even though we're bonded, but we don't get to really enjoy each other in that part of growing up. And then I also have sometimes nephews here and nieces I don't get to see. And they're, they're within 15 minutes of us, but we, you know their schedules are busy. So <laughs> it, it, you see the pros and cons of man, this whole thing? This is a pro and con. <laughs> and we're identifying and we are identifying all of it. But the, 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 my main answer is... Uh, as much as I love LA and I'm an LA guy, I'm a California boy. Uh, I think that I would be willing to try something different. It's long as I had the ability of, you know, escaping when I wanted to escape. And you have that with, with, with the Rockies. And that's why a lot of people here are moving there. They're getting out of here and they're going there. And I find out that when you go to Texas or some of these other places, they're, extremely hot and humid killer yeah. hot yeah oh my gosh i mean we had killer hot here but i could imagine it been in texas at you know whatever it was at, with the humidity. Or vegas man i would oh, las vegas i could never i would have been dead i would melt away there. i don't know why anyone lives in palm springs palm springs too it's only good in the winter it's good oh. in the winter Nightmare. but but you know it's i thought about that as well saying that you know you can, you can afford to buy a place, but let me tell you, uh, I would be dead within about, you know, one season. I know. It's crazy. It's, it's amazing. Everyone everyone lives in the place that's best for them. It works out very well. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to figure that out sometimes. It definitely is. And so, like, what are your thoughts on this one? My only perspective of moving is when I literally had nothing holding me back. So I made two of the best choices of my life and moving to New York and then to LA. Fortunately though, this, this type of decision is a lot easier for me because I'm where I need to be. And there's only one place I can do what I do every day. Yeah. So, so for this person. And there was only you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so she's thinking of her whole family. I know. And that's what, I mean, this will be a thing for Morgan and I, this will be a thing for us individually. Like, figuring out where you want to be versus a little bit kind of where you should be. It's just the thing that sticks out to me in this story is yes, your family's there, but you know, you don't like it. And so it's hard to compare the two of, Oh, I don't like this place, but my family's here. So that makes it really difficult. And it makes me almost like if the dream, the ideal place is California, then I'd say try it and go for it because you can always come back to Colorado and then there's not the what if we had moved. I'm mm -hmm. always big on the what ifs. I don't like living with the what ifs. You kind of got to clear those out of the way to be truly happy. And if you don't try the California thing and, you know, maybe you test it and see if he can find work, if he excels or if you guys excel together there. And then if that doesn't work, then you can try somewhere else. Go to Arizona, go like somewhere in the vicinity. There's so many options. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would say, try it. Go for like what you're feeling you'd want to do over what you feel you should do because you can, you know, you can always make it work. It won't be the same, 
but you got to get rid of the what ifs. Yeah. I, I personally love Colorado. I could live there. I think what's something that's really interesting that stood out to me when we spent some time there is Colorado. And we were, we were in Denver mostly. It felt like the perfect blend of Minnesota and California. Mm-hmm. Like me and Justin said that there, they have like a California mentality but like a Midwest feel to it mm-hmm. when everyone's just nice, very forward thinking. It was just a vibe. So I love Colorado and I think having a support system and, you know, a village around you makes it so, so nice. And so well, I'm on but the- But they already don't like it. That That's what's sticking out of my head. Yeah. Is they but, already don't like it. But so I, what didn't they, you know, what, just the cold? I mean, global climate change, it's going to get warmer. This is also six years away. So there's so much that could happen within those six true. years time span. And your family might have moved out of Colorado by that point. So I think in my head, I think these are all valid thoughts to keep in mind over the next couple of years. And California could be an island. It could be. (laughs) It it could be. So my thought was kind of like, just, you know, let it play out. I don't really Mm -hmm. think, I don't really think you can start thinking so much about a future like this Mm -hmm. until you're like a year, maybe six months away from his retirement. Because yeah, I I mean, like, you don't know what the economy is going to be. You don't know what the job outlook is going to look like. There's, there's so many what ifs at this point in time that you just got to yeah. yeah. As hard as it is, be a little patient. And it is relax. A co- it is a commitment. And another thing really to really consider are schools for your kids. Nothing like the Midwest education I, system. I have to tell you, uh, I have some friends that, that I, are acquaintances of mine. They had all the money in the world to, to live in California. They had a beautiful home. They have three kids and they were putting them in private schools at twenty-five to $50,000. Insanity. And they said, we're moving to Connecticut and they bought a home there Wow! and they're happy. And the kids are in public school. They're being brought up with all the other kids and their peers of, of, of right. Without being that, that, that stigma of, of privileged, which really does help with, I mean, some of these, this, the stigma of privilege really does hurt the kids. I I think that that's a better experience out of public school anyways. You're subjected to more diversity. You're going to be a well-rounded individual. Me and Justin, public school kids over here. But that's right. No, I think but, I think the Midwest has a great education system and invests some money into it. Yeah. Minnesota I, especially, public education there was incredible. I love California. I'm I'm not going to say I don't. I love it's my home, it's where I grew up. I'm trying to find every possible way how I can afford to continue through the rest of my life and be here. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. It really is hard. And so I've lived in many different states. I lived in Kentucky for years. I lived in Minnesota. I lived, I mean, I've been around and I, and I've learned to adapt and enjoy those lifestyles where I went. And I do know that when you get there and you start making friends, you couldn't possibly imagine living without your friends because you make new ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. You've got time, but lots to consider. Yeah, they're definitely a planner. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, that was a tough one. Okay, moving along. Okay. Hi, Jerry Morgan and Justin. My 22 female boyfriend, 26 female to male, has been talking about proposing even accidentally dropping that he already has the ring. We have been together for two years, and I know he is my soulmate and best friend. The only problem is that we are completely not sexually compatible. 
I have a relatively high sex drive and his is almost non-existent. We once had a nine-month dry spell after moving in together last year. Before moving in, he assured me that once we lived together, it would be easier. When that didn't happen, he said once he switched off medication with the side effect of low libido, it would get better. Well, it hasn't. It has currently been almost five weeks since we last had sex. He just started new medication and has asked me to be patient. I feel as though I have been patient for two years, and it is incredibly unfair for him to ask me to continue to be patient. I told him that if this is still happening when our lease ends at the end of the year, I don't want to renew, which is when he dropped the ball on me that he already had the ring. With him being transgender, he has a lot of gender dysphoria issues that make him nervous about sex, which I completely understand. I love him so much, but I don't think I can live the rest of my life like this. Ideal outcome, I want to marry him and have a decent sex life that I am happy with. Additional info, we have been in couples counseling for over a year, and that has greatly improved our communication about everything but sex. He still gets very nervous and lashes out when I bring it up. I also feel as though there is a connection you can only get through having sex, which is a big reason why I crave it so bad is because I want that connection with him. Yeah, it's, if you don't have it, you're, you're friends. And if you want to be friends that live together and you guys are best friends, and you know, great, but how are they going to feel if you go out and, you know, find that other per person to feel that uh, that void. And eventually it's going to keep driving more frustration within your relationship. So if it's not there, you got to identify it. Sometimes I've had relationships myself that it wasn't as strong and, you know, you think it will develop or you will get stronger. And if it doesn't, tough as it is, you have to really be fair to everybody. Yeah. I yeah. feel like it's one of the core pillars of a relationship, right? And so whether it be that or another big one, love, communication, whatever you want to call them, then I think this is a very challenging issue, but a very simple issue. What? what, I, what wait, wait a minute. I have one thing to offer before you go do your thing. What happens for the people that are having a, a wonderful relationship and something health-wise happens and sex life goes away? because of, of, of an illness or because of a medication or this and that in it. And you've had this beautiful life and kids and you built this lifestyle and this family. And next thing you know, sex is gone and the partner saying, you know, I just can't do it anymore. What happens? Well, I, I don't know what to address first. Um, so from an OT perspective, a lot of times, especially if it's, the woman or, you know, the woman identifying person, if they become disabled, a male partner is like more likely to leave. So a lot of times when injuries happen that leave people disabled or like the status quo of their relationship changes, mm -hmm. a lot of people don't make it. Um, there's a subreddit called dead bedrooms and you see a lot of couples that have different matching libidos and one doesn't want any sex and one has a high sex drive and mm -hmm. has a high libido and wants it all the time. And a lot of them end up getting divorced. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, when you made a comment and you were like, sex is a big pillar, that's something like I would consider a big pillar in our relationship, my life, 
and like if it wasn't me and you like it would still be important to me but there are some people out there that are asexual that don't have a sex drive mm -hmm. or they just you know i i i don't personally know but um that was brought up on the comment section of one of my videos when we made a comment like sex you got to test drive the car and i had some listeners reach out and they were like well what about me i'm asexual i'm not really interested in sex and so i think you know for this write in for her partner you know as much as you love him if your libidos aren't matching and as tough as it is for him because he loves you and you know he's thinking about proposing it just might not be the best match and you got to be aligned yeah and he might find someone that is like has a similar libido level like another you know another woman that is low libido mm -hmm. and then it's like oh it just it clicks it is just like the perfect match and so i think that's hard that's kind of one of those things where you don't really find out until you get like deeper and more intimate mm -hmm. in your relationships but i think that is something where if you know what you want and you're asexual and sex doesn't matter to you like you find someone who maybe aligns with that or maybe they have a lower libido but like are happy to accommodate your sex needs i think when it comes to sexual needs there's such a tug of war and like it's a, it's a puzzle piece but yet like there's a lot of give and take there so i think i just meant more like it's one of the core things you need to be on the same page about yeah it's like kids a lot of times decorating and style choices and things like that <laughs> different ambitions in life like there's certain big things you have mm -hmm. to align yeah. on otherwise it's like you don't want to lock this down with a ring right now because you got to get this figured out yeah and it's I, not like the ring's gonna solve it like a lot of people well, think sometimes i know and i think i i think he kind of reacted out of fear like you know our our listeners writing in saying yeah at that point you know when i said i don't want to renew the lease that's when he said he dropped the ball that he has a ring right and so you know you could put that on the con list of oh was that a little manipulative like was that a like uh no like i'm gonna sink my claws in or was that a pro and like no he's just being vulnerable and honest about where he's at so this is a really this is this is one that you could go back and forth where it's like you know your relationship is so amazing and you do want to marry him but the sex isn't there. So this one, this is this is why this one. I'm gonna made just the list. I'm just gonna take it under just the reality that resentment will eventually surface, frustration will eventually surface, cause problems, and the best thing to do is get out of the problem before it's a problem. Yeah. I would say I would try, and I know they're in therapy. They're in couples counseling, but I would try to find um, like an actual sex therapist or someone that specializes in intimacy is pelvic floor certified mm -hmm. because there could be so much more to where like, I know they mentioned like gender dysphoria mm -hmm. um, and other issues relating to like the transition mm -hmm. for him. But I wonder if there's someone that could maybe address some other underlying issues. Is right. there pain? You know, the gender dysphoria could be, you know, a, the whole issue here, but are there other things like pain and, you know, it's it's a complex issue that I think an actual sex therapist mm -hmm. might be better equipped to handle than just a couples therapist. I, I think that'd be great. Yeah. You know, I just know that I've been there in relationships that there was out of balance and it was very frustrating. 
Mm-hmm. And they all ended up not working eventually. Yeah. And, you know, years went by. If I took the years of these relationships, I probably have 12 years total of those type of relationships in my 65 years of life. And certainly of my uh, 40 years of, of dating. Yeah. And that's just because you were hoping things would get better yeah. and you wanted to give it a lot of time to develop. Yeah. I just, I was in love with these, these individuals. I cared deeply for them. I thought everything else was aligned and that we'd get through this and we just didn't. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it was just the fact, it wasn't the fact that they had problems with sex. They just didn't want sex with me. And sometimes you have to look at that too, that they like something about you, but you naked next to them is not one of them. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's a hard pill to swallow. Well, but, and but you got it sometimes. Yeah. And there's like, I don't, of course, I think I think it was on TikTok. So like anything on TikTok you have to take with like 20 grains of salt. You don't know how accurate it is. And I, I don't remember if it was coming from an actual sex therapist or just like a POV or someone, you know, saying it, but they were talking along the lines of like my body knew that it wasn't the right person mm-hmm. for me before I knew. And so they used to say like, oh, I had such a high sex drive. And then, you know, I started dating them and I wasn't really interested in sex anymore. And I didn't, it was like small things. Like I didn't get as wet as I used to and talking about like that. And and then they were like, oh, I broke up and I, I wanted to have sex with other people. I just realized I didn't want to have sex with them. That's right. So it's like, they made the point like my body knew before I even knew. Mm-hmm. And so the subconscious. Yeah. It's just, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's something to that, but I think again, sex therapy pro con list and just, you know, let it, let it kind of develop. Yeah. Follow your heart though. I mean, as hard as it is saying goodbye, sometimes like you, in your gut, it sounds like you kind of already know. I've had relationships, guys, that I knew in the first year it was done. And it took me three years to, to finally get out of it. That's four years in a relationship that should have been gone after a year. Yeah. Because, because of all that. So think about that and consider that investment. Time. Especially, especially yeah. at the age you're at right now. I mean, I really do 22, mean yeah. Let us know. Keep us in the loop. For sure. Okay, moving along. Mm -hmm. My boyfriend, 21 male, and I, 21 female, have been together for a year and a half as of now. We've had an amazing relationship, and I'm so grateful for his presence in my life. However, in the past few months, I've had an on and off gut feeling that because of our differences in religion, we won't be able to effectively build the lives that we want with each other. I am a Christian and very involved in my faith and he is agnostic. He and I have talked about it in a few different times, and he doesn't understand why my faith is such a big deal to me. But from my perspective, my faith is the center of my life, and my core values and dreams for my future stem directly from it. I know that at the end of the day, I can't marry someone who believes something different about the universe than I do, especially considering that we both want kids one day. I have nothing against his beliefs, and he has nothing against mine. We're just at odds about what we want a marriage and a future together to look like. Because of this, I actually ended the relationship a few days ago. 
We still love each other so much, but I just wish things were different. Ideal outcome? Honestly, I would never ask him to change, and he knows that. But I'm just praying that God uses me as an example and maybe gets him to change his mind about faith. But the whole reason I broke up with him is that I could never drag him along for a long-term relationship and cross my fingers and hope that one day he starts to believe. I just love him, and I hate not being able to be with him. This is a great topic because I've lived this in every, in every, on every way. First, I'm Jewish. Everyone knows this. And I have dated women that were Jewish. I have dated women that were not Jewish, uh, agnostic, and also Christian. And when I say Christian, I've been on all levels. Um, <laughs> Sounds so weird when you say that. Well, you know, it's... <laughs> You know, some, all levels of Christianity. Well, there's all levels of Judaism too. Oh know? yeah. So you know, when people get to be really, you know, deep and passionate about their God and about what's going to happen to uh, to you if you're, a, and I'll go to the Christian faith if you're a non-believer that you're, you know, doomed to hell and. And they're worried about if we have kids, our kids have to be raised Christian because I don't want them to go to hell. And then in the back of their head, they're wishing and hoping and praying to God that you will change and you will accept. You'll be saved. You'll be saved. And, you know, all they know is, you know, and everyone in their family is really pounding on you. And their core is what their core is. Mm -hmm. And as much as your core is to have that faith. I I respect that. But you also have to respect what their core is at the same breath. And if you guys can respect each other's cores, but not looking to force each other to change your core, then, then you can make that relationship probably work. But as soon as you get into, it's got to be this, and I'm worried about the kids. Now, you know, we grew up in a household of Lutheran on your mom's side mm-hmm. and me being Jewish. And I grew up in a very active Jewish home as a kid. When my mother died, you know where I went every night. I went to say prayers. I went to say Kaddish at the, at the, at the synagogue. And sometimes I would drag you guys just to keep me company and not to force it down your throat, but to keep me company. And you guys sometimes would go. I mean, your brother would certainly kick and scream the whole way. <laughs> Because he had better things to do. But I never rammed religion down your throat. And I never forced you to accept one thing or the other. Because I always said, you on your own will will, will discover what works for you. Well, and so I think we're, I, I do want to steer you back a little because I think that's why she made the tough decision to break up with mm-hmm. him. Because she recognizes mm-hmm. how important, I mean, she says here, my core values and dreams right. for my future directly stem from this. So and that's why I said that's their core. And if yeah. they can't, if they can't get aligned to relax on that core, then she did the right thing by breaking up and she'll find a, someone that is of her Christian faith and she will be able to accept, you know, and, 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 you know, and honor Jesus to the, and pray as, as, as she does. And, mm-hmm. and feel comfortable. And, and so will he. And together, they their life will be built around their love for Jesus, that their common denominator. Yeah. And that's with them. And that works. This guy... He, he's, not, he's not interested. He Yeah, he has a different value and a different thing. It doesn't make him wrong. It just... 
it just makes it not work. If that's really where she's really at, if that's her, really her passion. Uh, this is definitely another pillar. This is a pillar. Oh yeah. Same as like politics would be, but I think the ideal outcome is pretty unreasonable. Um, especially at this age, people are pretty, I mean, yes, people find faith in different area, uh, different periods, different times of their lives, mm -hmm. but pretty unrealistic to expect a change as in like the previous story mm -hmm. that you're just hoping for change. I think the ideal outcome's already been accomplished. I think the actual ideal outcome was accomplished when you broke up. Uh, I think this one is one of the first stories where we've actually seen someone write in with a question and actually solve it in the same write-in. Mm -hmm. And so that is interesting. I yeah. think they're on, they're on to healthier relationships and healthier paths that where yeah. this, this is a big pillar besides like sex is one thing with religion. It does. It's one that'll keep coming back and over and over because then you do have the kids argument well, and then you start rearranging all yeah. the different parts of your lives to integrate that in. And if one of you is off base with that, this is more like troubling than the other one where it's like, yeah, you made the right call. Well, and I will say, you know, we have family that um, got married and she was very, I would say she was religious, but um, I would also say she dove more into faith as her kids were like kindergarten age and he her partner does not believe in god you know very just nope i don't i don't believe in that and so they do respect each other in the sense where they can keep it separate mm -hmm. and like your faith is your faith but at the same time i would say she's always still Will you come to this? Still kind of pushing because it's important to her. And she she is worried about mm -hmm. his soul and him being saved and not ending up in hell. And so it has been, I would say, a point of contention for the past 30 years of their, their life, their marriage. It's not something that they ever really agreed to disagree on because it's like, how can you when your faith is telling you that this person's soul could be in jeopardy. Yeah. So yeah. I, I do agree with you. I think religion is definitely a pillar. I Some people can make different political opinions work. I could not. Um, I've just found in my experience, my personal experience, is that when I found people that are have the same core formats as me mm -hmm. and, and, and fundamental uh, foundations, our relationship was easier and, and flows because there's enough stuff in life that are going to come up to you that throw curveballs to you. Yeah. And every time you just knowingly go into a relationship with one more, it could be a mistake, but it's tough to tell that to someone's that are, that are young and that are ambitious to the fact of their new relationship. They found this person that's just awesome. Yep. Yeah. And they'll never find another one like it. And someone says, gee, you might want to consider. And you look at them and say, you know, fuck you. <laughs> this is the best thing in the world. And, right. and they're too blind to really, when, they, when, when, they, when the senior experienced family member might say, you might want to pay attention to this. It depends on sometimes how that family member 
pitch is that pitch. Yeah. Because the, the, the natural thing is when somebody tells, you know, when a parent tells their kid something, I know my son, it it's rebellion <laughs> yeah. off the bat. So with him, I really don't tell him what to do. I, I kind of throw a, a, you know, a, a flavor out there for lack of a better description. Jedi thing. mind trick. Well, yeah. Just so that, that, that in his own way, he'll, he'll consider it and process it. And it's amazing that it does, it, he does process it and he comes up to the right conclusion. Yeah. Well, and so I think, you know, with this one, I think I picked this because of the fact, uh, it's like she already knew. She knows the answer. Mm-hmm. And I think she just wanted to be told, like, you did the right thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think based on this and the ideal outcome, it just seems like she was looking for the reassurance that I was right to break up with him. And I would say you you are. If you do a pros and cons list for this one mm-hmm. and your faith is number one for you, it is how you go through life. That's not something you should sacrifice 100%. Well, if she also believes as as strongly as she does, she also knows that God will bring her someone that will fit within that. Exactly. So for for this one, I think the cons list, even if she were to try to like maybe get back together and like our love is so strong on the pro, but the cons, like I think the con list on this one just, it takes you down. It's just not, it's not the match. Yep. Moving along. Dear Jerry, Morgan, and Justin, I am so sorry this is a long one as I tend to ramble. I am sick of my job. When I was 21, I was working at Target, and after the holidays, I was laid off. I'm sick of her job, too, just so you know. Okay, good. My mom asked me to come in and help out at her company with some samples. It's been 10 years later, and I haven't left. When I started it, it was just data entry, and I was thrilled. I mean, I was 21 and suddenly I had a salaried job without a degree, so I felt so incredibly thankful. However, over the past 10 years, I'm still grateful, but dot, 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 to a different degree. Because we are a small company, I am not the only child who works at the company, but I am the only girl who is a child of someone else, and it has definitely affected my job. For example, it has caused a lot of drama with some coworkers thinking I get special treatment. I don't. In fact, I get treated worse to prove that I don't get treated better. For example, when someone at my company got COVID, they were given the standard five days off, current CDC guidelines, until they tested negative. I, however, only got two days off, then had to come into the office with a mask on and sit in my office with the door closed like a leper. My job description has also vastly changed since COVID. Before COVID, I was working on marketing material for my job and becoming increasingly burnt out over it. My boss would tell other companies they could use my skills too, free of charge and no extra pay for me. However, since COVID has come around, my job is just pricing and data entry. I was getting burnt out over the marketing, but I miss the creativity. Now it's 2022 and I just turned 32. I have no degree, I hate my job, and I'm sick of feeling like this, so I looked into options. I found a course that allows you to teach English overseas. They pay you, help you with the visas, and it's not until December, so I have plenty of time to get things sorted before I go. I even checked, and they don't mind my ADHD or the fact I don't have a degree. My boyfriend and my mom think I'm nuts, but I just want a new adventure. I don't want to work in the same field I have been in, which is my only option without a degree. 
My mom says I'm just being impulsive because of my ADHD, but I have been thinking about this for months now. My boyfriend said it's because my grandpa passed away in April and it freaked me out, but I was looking into this before he passed. So please, am I crazy for wanting a new adventure at 32? You are not crazy. I have a very good friend of mine and I reflect it. When, when I get these stories, I, I immediately you know, put the puzzle together of what, fit, what fits best in, you know, for this situation. And she grew up in a family business. Um, mother, father, everyone was in this business from the grandfather. And she finally just realized she couldn't deal with the, with, with the abuse that she was receiving from her mother and had to get out of that office. And she went to work for someone else in sales. And she has been there now for 30 years. She was 30 when she left. She's now 65. And she's still there and she loves going to work and her life is fantastic. She, uh, it worked out well for her. And she got out of that family business where it was just toxic. Yeah. Um, with the ability of never really getting the respect to, because it, just the way that thing was, was, was structured. I was in a family business um, since I was a kid until my dad died. And he was 63. I'm now 65. So I was 30 when he passed or 35 in that area. And it was difficult because sometimes parents have a tough time letting you grow. And, they, and, they, and they're very free with your skills to give it away to somebody else. And just think that, you know, you're part of the team and you're going to get it and you're fine. But sometimes it, it, it's disrespectful not to at least get you to buy into wanting to do it and you know, where you are and, and also compensating you f and treating you with the respect of all this stuff. It's tough yeah. in these family businesses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the fact that you're For burnt sure. out, I get it. Totally get it. And one day you may decide you want to go back or you may need to go back if, if, if you want to continue that business or you fall yourself back in a different level or different position. You certainly understand the business after 10 years. No yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. But uh, it's not bad to go somewhere else and take your skills and go learn something different from somebody else. Absolutely. So that's my feeling on that one. Oh, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think family dynamics are very tricky, especially when you get into business together. And at the same time, I think it's tough to be a parent that was raised under the guise of, you're going to take this over one day, you're going to do this, and then you're the child... And then you keep like, that's a pattern that tends to continue mm -hmm. somewhere down the line. Someone's got to break the chain a little bit. If, if they just aren't happy and don't want to do it, you might have to be that first person that breaks that chain, which is a very hard position, but still doable for your mental health and happiness. The other thing I found interesting was the comment about the boyfriend, which I think the boyfriend's coming up from a place of, like I like the security and the routine we have and mm -hmm. you going and teaching this overseas is making me feel insecure. Long distance is hard. And right. And so he's probably making those comments out of that mindset. Yeah, I would agree. Which I think, sure, losing your grandpa, if that scared you or that puts you in a mindset where you're like, fuck, life is short. I want to figure my shit out and I want to get out there and do something that makes me happy mm -hmm. and fulfills me. Yeah. Then who cares if that's what started it? It doesn't matter what sparked that in your mind. Maybe that 
was the the sign you needed to say, hey, I need to figure out my life because this was a great convenient option for me at this mm-hmm. point in my life. It is no longer that and I want to move on. So if that's what sparked it, then more power to you. Mm-hmm. Again, I hate the what ifs. Go try it. Absolutely. I think that's where I'm at as well. I look at this and, you know, 32 you're not old at 32. Like you're, you got time to try stuff out and, you know, sort all of that because I had people in my grad program that were 30 when they started the program. And by the time they got done with OT school, they were 33. Like there's, it's never too late to go back to school. It's never too late to do something. If you're breathing, can open your eyes, can get up, can do stuff. It's never too late. Like you're, you got time. So I have a friend that actually taught English in Taiwan for three years, and it was the best experience of his life. He absolutely loved it. Mm -hmm. Loved it. He actually dated like some like bougie like heiress over there while he was over there. Like he had, (laughs) yeah, he had the best, best experience. And like I used to get videos of like his little kiddos in the classroom Mm -hmm. and it was the cutest stuff. And I think it's an amazing experience. And like You've been at this company for 10 years. It seems like you've soaked up everything you can from it. And also, it sounds like, you know, you have been there for 10 years. They love you. So if you go and teach English abroad and hate it, I feel like you could probably get your job back if you needed it. But also, adventure. Try new things. I I looked at this thing not even thinking that she is really going to go. That's an option for her. But she could find options locally. It depends on her relationship she wants. Yes, the boyfriend might be trying to control her, but this fear of losing her for her going overseas. But the, the, the biggest thing is definitely, look, you haven't really advanced that much in the 10 years you've been there. You're still doing data entry, even though you got to marketing, they shoved you back. So there is, there's other experiences for you to, to go explore and will may lead you somewhere else. You just don't know where these things can lead you. So spread yeah. your rings fly a little bit and check it out because where we start typically is not where we end at the end of our, our working career. Mm-hmm. You know, you started, you know, to go down one path. The next thing you know is you got a podcast. This is true. Two podcasts that you work on. Me, I started by doing liquidation. I end up being manufacturing. Now I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's just, you know, you just, you never know where you're going to roll. And so you've got to keep all these things open, explore, because all these different tools go into that toolbox. You don't lose. Experience is one thing you take with you. It just goes with you. And you can apply it in different places where you you least expect it. Yeah. And the family dynamics will probably get healthier. Probably. Yeah. And I'm sure her mom is just looking out and wants what's best for her. For uh, sure. Her mom doesn't own the company by the sounds of it. It seems like the mom was the inn mm-hmm. and there are other family people it. there. So Got it doesn't, it. it doesn't seem like she was being groomed to take over yeah. and stuff like that. Okay. But um, I will just say, I think a lot of people nowadays, because of the way that like college was kind of pushed upon us, I think a lot of people think like, Oh, I need this college degree to like get this job and do this. And honestly, you don't, I know so many people out here in LA that have very good high paying jobs and don't have college degrees. So I think that like is also changing. Like I think LA is a little more accepting than most places, but it definitely is like 
the wave is coming. Yeah. The wave is definitely coming. It's definitely coming. And also like you could easily take some community college classes on the side if you wanted to, to like just pad your resume a little bit. Like community colleges are very affordable. A lot of them have business schools. If you're still interested in business and marketing, like just adding a couple classes to even be able to put that on your resume is Well, you never know until you apply too. Because if you go to your first sit down, I've heard of people going to that first sit down, they don't have any of the qualifications, not even degree, and they're just so good that they get it. They loved them that they're hired. So it you just gotta try. Exactly. The one thing that you have that is amazing is you have 10 years of working experience, which means 10 years working with people. True. Mm -hmm. That is extremely valuable. You're 10 years of processing. At one company too. That's incredible. I have a friend that's in Denver. If you're in Denver, Colorado, pipe up because I got someone looking for someone like you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think all very exciting things. And if you've been thinking about this since... I mean, we're in September now. Her grandpa passed away in April, but she's been thinking about it since before he passed. So yeah. that's six months of thinking about it. And if you're still interested in thinking about it, there's a good chance you really want it. So True. you can always come home. Coming home is easy. Go for it. I say go for it. The pros are outweighing the cons for me on this Absolutely. one. Same. Yeah. Okay. What do we have next? Last one here. Hey, Jerry, I absolutely love this podcast and Two Hot Takes. You remind me so much of my dad and you always make me laugh. I will be talking with my dad about this, but I'd love a more objective point of view. Okay. My fiance, 28 male, and I, 29 female, are starting to plan our wedding. After much back and forth between a traditional wedding and eloping, we decided we want a wedding with close friends and family. I'm talking 75 people max, no extended family, Really just people who have been the most fundamental to us as individuals and as a couple. Here's the problem I'm having, and I don't know how to talk to my fiancé about it. We don't really want kids at our wedding. However, we are very close to my niece, 10 female, and nephew, 7 male. We see them often and are a big part of their lives. They call him uncle already and always run past me to give him hugs. I would love for them to be involved in the wedding in some way. I think it'd be reasonable to make an exception for two kids to be there. The issue is my fiance is one of five kids and has 14 nieces and nephews between the ages of a few months and 15 years old. We are not close with them. Most of them I've met maybe once or twice and some I've never met at all. Some of them have no idea who I am. He is not as close with them due to his family living further than mine, but feels that if my two are allowed, then his 14 should be allowed. I don't really want 16 kids at the wedding. Is this an all or nothing situation? Can mine be there, but not his? It breaks my heart to think that our niece and nephew that we're so close with won't be a part of our day, but 16 kids total is a lot when there won't be, when there won't even be that many people to begin with. Any ideas on what to do and how to talk to him about this? Am I being totally unreasonable here? Thanks so much for any insight you have. To me, it sounds like, you know, when I had my niece and nephews, they were like my kids. Jonathan and Melissa, I mean, they were there daily. I would help pick them up. I mean, they lost their father, things. It just was a different dynamic of our closeness. So it sounds like the two of you have these, your niece and nephew, that are almost like your kids. And if you can have that discussion with him in a way that this is, 
you know, the kind of way, do you feel the same way I feel kind of conversation rather than saying my nieces and not yours say, do you have the same feeling with, with these kids that they're like our kids, you know, in in a weird way that we'd want them there. And you keep using the word we, and then he can say, you know, it's just not appropriate or this because of that rule. I, I definitely think you have to have the easy discussion, not a hard discussion, easy discussion with him on how he sees it. And you got to consider one more thing. It might be boring for kids at a wedding with nothing but adults. So sometimes they need more interaction to, to, to stimulate them where they're not bored with other kids to play with. Yeah. I think the flip of that though, is the two that they're closest with Mm -hmm. probably will be more engaged because they're like, oh, these are my people versus the other 14 that are kind of like, yeah, older people are getting married, kind of know them, don't really know, Mm -hmm. but like, so we're going to be super bored. It kind of goes both ways, right? When I was, when I just went to, you know, Carla's wedding and we had, you know, basically his daughter and we had three of the, you know, the, the, you know, the, their friends' kids. And, you know, they were able to keep each other amused, the four of them. Mm-hmm. And they did, but they were really in a room full of adults and about 75 people. Yeah. Total, 50, maybe 50, but somewhere in that, it was a smaller, more intimate, you know, group. Yeah. And it worked. But when you're going to, you know, when you have, you know, two kids, they're bored, they're at their parents saying, you know, entertain us, entertain us, entertain us. And that's not really where you are at that point in time. Yeah. So it it's tougher. So as much as you may want them, you may want them for the wedding portion, but maybe you have to have, you know, let them go somewhere else to go play afterwards, have an out for them. So they're there for the wedding, but they really may not want to be at the party for anything longer than about 15 or 20 minutes. They'll be time bombed out. They want an escape. So if you provide an escape for them, you've solved your problem. They're at the wedding. They're able to be the ring bear, whatever you want to do at the wedding. And then you gave them the injection seat that they're able <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. to yeah. blast out of there because they may be simply bored at the party. Yeah. I'm a little torn on this one, I would say. I think... I think it could come across very much so, especially to his family. Like, of course, the bride got what she wanted and, you know, she got her family there, but none of our kiddos could come, even though some of our kiddos are older and more mature than these two. So mm-hmm. I think it could it could be construed negatively. Um, I think for me, like we've kind of talked about like not having babies at a wedding. Like I definitely don't want infants that could cry and disrupt the ceremony and things like that. So I think you could do like an age limit where it's like, okay, like 10 and up. And you know, the seven-year-old is the one exception, but yeah, I, I do, I do think there's like a perfect solution here where it's like, you know, we really want this to be a mature, fun celebration mm-hmm. for that reason. Children 10 and up are invited. Um, however, they will be asked to leave at 8 PM. So whatever, like there's such a way to tailor this, to have it the way you want it. But I do think, you know, despite the, and it is a little bit different where they are very close with these two, but again, it's kind of like, well, you haven't had the opportunity and like, you're then missing an opportunity where you could have a fun time with these other kiddos. And then you're giving the other two kiddos friends to play with. So 
this is not very straightforward and it's going to be a lot of conversation between, you know, the two of them to figure out what they want. But you don't want it to feel unfair where no, if I, he wants his niece or nephew that's 15 and 12 there, they should be able I think to he, be invited. Th- did I understand that he was already agreed that no kids is fine? Um, I don't. Kind of initially. I, I think. think initially I saw, I, then, I heard we, no kids We was don't, fine. so we don't really want kids at our wedding. However, we are very close to my niece and nephew. We see them often. They always call him uncle. I would love for them to be involved in the wedding mm-hmm. in some way, mm-hmm. but I don't think he's on board yet for that. Well, that's the discussion to see if it's important for him to have them and then have an escape clause that these kids could parachute to the amusement park or somewhere. Well, I've seen a lot of people have, like they hire a babysitter. So they they get like a hotel room. Sometimes, you know, weddings are at resorts. Down to the pool. And they'll get a hotel room and have a babysitter, have all of those kids in the hotel room. It's yeah. easy to watch them. All the kiddos are in one place. And then after the wedding, parents go up one by one and pick up their kids and leave. Like I've seen things like that work. Well, I'm, I'm more inclined to say for the, just the, two, I, I understand they can invite as many as they want. And they can have all these different options, but I think just to have the two for the, you know, to do the ceremony and then have an out for them to go have a good time and be entertained somewhere if they wish to be, because yeah. they're, they're going to want to be, they're going to want to go to the pool. They're going to want to do something different. I don't know. Some yeah. kids like to just sit on the dance floor all night and tug on the bride and groom. Well, I've seen it. <laughs> Good. I'll make sure we have some there for you. No, uh, no, thank you. Do you, I will say though, do you think like, what if he doesn't want to just compromise with the fact that you can have yours there, but you know, why can't I have my my kiddos, my nieces and because nephews. Because I think there. He, I, I, for some reason, I already feel that they're not important to him. He already ousted the kids. Period. They but said then, we. But what about the exception then of these two? Then that's why she just has to say, are they? Are, do do you see them like our kids? That we can do this and we can have them as this. And if he says no, I don't see that. Then she's going to have to then go try her other options or just accept it. Okay. Okay. Because I understand not wanting to have the zoo. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's all I got for you. That's it? That's it. Oh, God. Moving on to part two with Justin reading. Okay, let's do it. Okay. Are you guys going to trade places in the whole thing? Yeah, we're going to trade places, but we have a Patreon, so I'm going to read that first, and then we'll trade places. So first, we're going to Patreon. Okay. So that we're ending this show. Yes. Oh, that's the end of the episode. Sign yeah. us off, buddy. Well, that's our episode for this week. <laughs> <laughs> and um, if you're having a wedding, think about it uh, as far as if kids are coming. And uh, we're going to have Patreon next. So chime on in and uh, subscribe. See you yeah, see you. Yeah. We'll see you at Patreon. Bye for the week. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.